Brent with you, and uh, welcome to another True North Nerds Extra. <laughs> uh, a little while ago, I got to sit down with Howard Wong and uh, Josh Stafford uh, to talk about their new comic, uh, Damned Cursed Children, which is uh, out from Source Point Press. Uh, you should be able to find the first issue in stores uh, this week, um, but it's a good idea if you uh, go into your shop and order the first issue and the other issues uh, just to your pull box. It's a, a small uh, source point press is a smaller publishing group. So they really appreciate it. If you pre-order everything, <laughs> um, I don't want to give too much away because we, we talked about it in the interview itself, but the comic is about um, how to put it. Uh, there is children they go kind of nuts and some really horrible, horrible things happen. Now I've gotten to read the first issue of the book and it's pretty kick-ass if you like horror stuff. So, uh, without further ado, uh, here's my conversation with Howard and Josh. So on the, on the line with me right now are, uh, the creators of damned cursed children, Howard Wong Hello, everybody. Nice to, nice to be chatting with you, though like this, but still very cool. And uh, Mr. Josh Stafford. Hello there. So, uh, I, I first of all, thanks for the uh, the digital uh, preview of the book. Uh, I am, <laughs> dudes, this was pretty good. Uh, so. For those of our uh, our listeners who haven't had the opportunity, like me, to read it, how would you sum up the book in a tidy sales pitch? I guess what's your elevator pitch for the book? Josh, you got this. <laughs> sure. Um, on a day like any other, our first character that is introduced is a daycare teacher, and she's going about her daily life. She hears something strange outside and looks out the window. And she witnesses a city gone mad. She turns over her shoulder and all the little kids in her class have become monsters. So that's the first couple pages of the book. And what continues over the next five issues is a group of brought together strangers fighting against the damn cursed children. And it it's pretty sweet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really want to give away a huge amount of even the first issue because it, it it's sort of you kind of jump right into the action. Was that uh, was that premeditated? You thought right off the bat you were going to get into it. It was actually from a discussion. Like I, I, when I say discussion between me and Josh, it's my I mean when I say discussion. It's really like a minute <laughs> of talking. But uh, I, I mentioned to him that 
we, because I, you, you, when you do comic books enough, when you make enough comic books, you know that you have to have something juicy within the first five pages for people to understand the tone and where you're going with the story. So he, he sort of jokes, I'm like, we can, we do it in three in, in film. I'm like, we can do it in three. I don't know how, how we can do it, but if we could do it in three, hell, we could do it in the first page. Great. So <laughs> it became like a, Un- unannounced challenge between the both of us to make it into three pages. So by page three, we're already like on, all, you know, we're already all like hitting the, you know, hitting the gas on, on this. Even I was kind of surprised because I was like, we did it and it works and I'm not editing anything out here. So crap. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. So it actually changed a lot of things in the plot that we had because uh, we had some traditional stuff, a little slower paced at the beginning, which is like, you know any story and movie but it's it just felt like it worked really well the way we have it now and because of that we changed a lot of those things that we thought about for the basically the entire miniseries so it does touch a lot of familiar things but like what you mentioned about us uh hitting on you know hitting the gas real quick that's the kind of things that we added to it that changed the story so that we enjoyed it, obviously, but then when we got people to test read it, they were like over the moon. So we knew we had it, we had it right, which is nice because sometimes you don't do it right and you spend so much time on it. So I'm pretty happy about how it turned out. Um, I don't know, Josh. Do you remember that? Remember when we talked about that? I can't remember when, though. To be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, one lesson I really learned in this screenwriting class, which really is in my head always when telling stories is grab them by page three and you can kind of translate that to kind of any medium i'm sure if you're writing a novel or a magazine article or or a tv episode is just get them quick because especially in this world especially comics are so hard to get into and there's so many comic books out there to for people to read um you get them quick you keep them interested and then they'll come back for the next issue and the next hopefully and so I love that. And I also love comic books for, for two reasons is one it's, it's really unlimited budget. Like mm-hmm. the stuff we do in damn cursed children, if it was a TV show, especially if, we're, if it was a live action TV show or movie, there's stunts we do because our, our villains are, our, our monsters are under the age of 12. We could never do in a million years and just big budget stuff, big car crashes, big explosions, big fights. So there's that, which is really fun. But also, I really like that page flip. So in this first issue, there's that. There's some really great moments like that where just you flip the page and you're you're hit with the next big, big push of this horror story. So, yeah, it, it definitely is. That that definitely was a a uh, a talking point that we had was to to grab them early for our story. So speaking of which, how did you guys come about working together on this? Who who had the initial sort of thought and who who followed it up with that we should make this into a comic? Wow, that's <laughs> well. The story is I was sick in bed with the uh, flu, plague, whatever you want to call it. I was actually uh, during that time I was sick like every week, <laughs> almost on a weekly basis because my kids were in daycare and it brought back I don't know what it was because even our doctor stopped giving me antibiotics because she was afraid I was going to get like immune to it. So oh. it was that bad. Yeah. So, you know, of course that's when the Josh called me up. <laughs> not, not, it wasn't on, it wasn't even like a Facebook message. It was, he literally phone called me. So I was in bed dying and he's like, so how's it going? I'm like, I'm dying. 
And then he asked me what was going on. I'm like, I'm still sick. I got it from the kids. And then uh, Josh blurts out, damn cursed children. And my drug-infused brain said, that's a great title for a horror story. But I'm no condition to write anything right now. <laughs> so, so I was like, I kind of, I don't know if I was, I was like half jokingly told Josh, like, you know, if you help me write it, I can we probably make this into a really cool comic or something. And Josh, he obviously jokingly said, sure. And it just sort of bursted from there. And he would, I think, plotted it out the first draft. And then I tried to edit it and I was still sick. So that was a you know, horrifically awesome, bad idea. <laughs> but, but I had some like, <laughs> some good scenes there and there. When I was nice and healthy, I re- when I read out what I, what I wrote, I noticed that I cut a lot of the things that you would normally do in a story like this. And I found that it was much better. It was really weird to say that because when you, when you read after, because like, since you read the first issue, you sort of see that we skip on a lot of the traditional uh, journey of a story like this, but it works so well. So it's sort of that, you know, oh, this works. Though when I was writing it, I had no idea what I was doing, but this looks really great. <laughs> um, I always send these things to Josh and we went, we just banged it back and forth, but we had no schedule. We had no preconceived due date in mind for this. We worked on it uh, whenever we had time. And we never talked about when we were going to publish it, who we are going to publish it with, who we are going to pitch it to. We just wanted to work on it because it was just it was so much fun to do. Um, I think, oh, no, wait, wait, Josh, wait, you, what were you doing during this time? Like, I forgot what you were doing because I was, I think I was still doing After the Cape. I think. The last yeah. second, I was doing After the Cape 2 during that time. Yeah, I was still like, coming off of that or something like that. So I had some, I think I was coming off in that during that time. So it was around that time when we started doing this. Yeah. Well, this is a project that it's really a great example of kind of never give up because I, I really loved working on this book. Howard and I worked really well together and I've joked that like, if we had been working in the traditional model, like in a bullpen, there was never a moment where one of us like ran our arm over the desk and 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 cleared off the thing and flipped a table and ran out of the room crying like we <laughs> we just worked very well together and i love these characters and so it, it was one of those things where it, it took forever to get to the point we are now where we're moments away from the book being released so both of us had other projects and things we were doing in our lives and just we kept on kind of creeping away at this and our collaboration was really great because if I get credit for coming up with a title, Howard gets credit for thinking it could actually be a book. I get credit for maybe putting together that first little kind of pitch. Howard gets credit for kind of forming it together and finding us an artist and a publisher. And then we just wrote forever. And if something ever happens and we ever get one of those like really beautiful absolute editions of the book, our scripts are unreadable for anyone except for us because <laughs> there's just so many, like we're, we're, we're in the, the purple f- color now for the script. Oh, we're in the blue, we're in the orange. And we just worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And even up to the last uh, minute, the 11th hour of changing word balloons and stuff. So I'm really proud of this final product. Cause I think, you know, we didn't just whip this off with a deadline in a, in a day. Like we, worked on it a long time and and we're blessed to stumble onto robin and his great artwork and source point press being somebody who's willing to publish this crazy book that would you know be practically x-rated if released as a movie because it's so crazy violent and and 
you know, and now we have this book coming out. So it's, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for us right now. Yeah, not not to get into uh, details, but uh, there are several scenes of uh, children being uh, thrown and punched and kicked, <laughs> and, and I think maybe maybe that says something about me. But that was part of the book that I enjoyed. <laughs> well, and Howard is a responsible parent and with wise oh, no. thoughts of what the industry likes or not. Initially, was like, oh, this might be too much. And me naively might have been like, no, let's keep going. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there's some scenes that I just love, especially with Robin's artwork, where, uh, you know, like you like you're doing now, won't go into specific details to spoil anything. But just a couple of moves where our our characters who are not, you know, action heroes, kind of that everyday flavor of, of characters who are in horror stories sometimes and just stuff they have to do. And, and it's just these great shocking moments that that are also a, there's it's a lot of fun like i i never like horror that's just too dreary and really bleak and and you know despite kids being our monsters in this there's still a lot of kind of comedy and and really likable characters and and kind of really fun movie moments so it's uh yeah it's, it's not all bleak and destructive speaking of robin uh where in the process did he come along at well, this is the funny story, actually, because I was trying to get Robin. Oh, actually, let's backtrack a bit more. So I was looking for an artist for After the Cape 2, because at that time, uh, Marco got a contract. That's a good story, too. Marco got a contract to work for, uh, I think, DC. No, no, he was got a contract to work with Mark Wade on the anthology at Boom. And then he went to DC. When The moment he finished that anthology, I thought we can work on After the Cape 2, but then he got a contract from DC. And he asked me nicely, you know, I can not. I can say no and work on After the Cape too. And I'm like, are you insane? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would leave you. No, uh, <laughs> no. But uh, I said to him, don't worry about it. I'll figure something out. And so I was like looking for an artist, to be honest. Uh, and I found a few. Robin was one of them. And Robin actually was going to be the artist. And then he had children. Um, <laughs> he couldn't do it. So he had to. Fir- he was. <laughs> So he was okay, and then he told me. Then he told us, uh, and then eleventh hour that his, you know, his wife is, has given birth, and they don't have time for this. Can we change the schedule? And at that point, I think we were already solicited for some reason. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, I, you know, that's how sometimes the business is. They solicit before you write, which is, I was, I, you know, on a personal note, not the best feeling. But <laughs> so now, so Robin was always in my back pocket of I want to work with this guy. And so we kept in touch. And he doesn't live in Toronto or in North America. He's actually in Singapore. Mm. So when I messaged him, I would wait like 12 hours to get his responses and treat emails and, what, and messages and things. So uh, when, I, when we had, uh, I think, the first draft done, I think, of the first issue and the plot, obviously, I sent it over to Robin because he actually asked me, he's like, you, you know, are you working on anything? You want to work together? I'm like, actually, I do. But it's not a superhero comic. Uh, here, read this. And I just said it over to him. So, as I mentioned, it's like you know the twelve-hour difference. But about a week goes by. <laughs> so, I, I, during this week, I was thinking, oh man, he he freaked out because I wrote, you know, this stuff is isn't you know definitely not mainstream. <laughs> so maybe he doesn't think he wants to work with me anymore. But then he replies like, I think I can do this. So I'm like, I think you can do it too. That's why I said it to you. Do you want to do it though? That's a big difference. Can and want is a completely different thing. And then he asked a lot of questions and I answered a lot of them. And then he realized 
what it was about because a lot of people when you look at horror and and i think it's kind of a, a, a misconception horror is just a, it's just for shock and gore and to freak you out and shock scares and all that it is part of that that is definitely part of that um but the real genesis of horror is a social commentary on things so it's a lot of uh motifs and metaphors and the themes and tones that you you gear towards uh, to represent things. So when I explained that to him, he was you know he was definitely in on it because he doesn't have a strong horror background. In fact, when we started mentioning movies in our script uh, for no, this might be something that from the so and so comic or film. He's like, what? I'm like, oh, this is not going to be easy. <laughs> so, so I'm like, just draw it and whatever happens, happens. Because I don't want you to end up watching like 100 hours of films just to draw a couple of panels here and there. So, But he drew it the way he, he interpreted our script. So it's just even more interesting because so he doesn't have a preconceived notion of uh, taking something from a horror film or a comic or what have you. So it, and it, and it translates to the covers. I mean, uh, if you you get to see our covers and I've, I've been blasting them all over on social media. They are homages to horror films. Uh, you can, if, if you're a remote horror fan, you will see them. So we would send so many visual references to Robin to, to, to get the right tone and feeling for it. Because remember, he didn't even watch these films. So he's like mm. basing it on what we're sharing with them. And so it was very interesting that he was able to go, yeah, I can do this. I can make it look like this, and then I'll have to make sure that this, you know, the the lighting is right for you guys and all that. So um, it was it was amazing to work with him because before that he was ready to work on the superhero book with me, and then turns out to be we're gonna do a book, you know, a horror book with uh, you know little monstrous children that are gonna get slaughtered. But hey, you know, art is art, so. Um, I'm glad Robin signed on and did it. He took, you know, took, you know, took a lot of things in stride and learned a lot of things from us. So I'm, I'm very happy that we worked with him because it was kind of a risk because he's never done a horror book before. So we, he could have gone horribly wrong. Like, you know, as, not even as a joke because I just assumed that he could do it because I can tell from his art he could. But if you don't feel it or understand the, the structure of it, then, it, then it won't work. So. Very cool. I also love the fact that you've got kind of like beyond the kind of uh, movie homage, you've got the uh, the trade dress sort of looks like the old school EC horror comics as well. Like you, you've kind of brought both of those out. Yeah, yeah I really, was, I, really sorry, I really pushed for the idea of those three circles on the covers. And they're not on all of them, but in a couple of them, they fit in well. Uh, just to kind of fit with that EC vibe of the the traditionally it was like the hosts in there, but we put our mm-hmm. characters and and we we really spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to put as their titles underneath their headshots, like whether it be uh, their job titles or just their names. And so that was kind of fun to figure out, realizing that when we put the millennial, just stuff like that. Yeah, I mean the the, the old EC uh, <laughs> the old EC I guess homage was. I don't know. It was really weird because I was actually talking to the uh, so, uh, source point press guys about cover ideas, and I wasn't sure if they would be cool with it because a lot of people don't want to go backwards, uh, especially with, with, a, with a new title because the, no one's familiar with the with, with the uh, property and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was like, I want, I really want to do this because it fits perfectly with what we're doing. 
Um, and, and, and people will get it because even what they don't know the title, they, by seeing this, they will know that what they're getting into is going to be something in the, that direction. So we actually got Robin, uh, man, we sent, I don't know how many images we sent that we see comic covers to him, but that, <laughs> that, that email is one of the longest emails we ever had because it kept on replying and we kept on adding to the list of uh, covers. Because um, it, it was not on purpose, but Josh would have, oh, I like these ones. I'm like, oh, I like those ones over there. And, like, and then we like, keep on sending them to Robin. So imagine, remember, he's a 12-hour delay. So within those 12 hours, we have like he a library. He just opens his inbox and it's just filled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he literally told us, stop sending. You guys can stop sending me references. There's only five issues. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, you're right. We should have to choose. We have to choose five. But I'm not sure which one we should do. So we helped narrow it down, and to be honest, there are actually some covers that he got done that um, it was really hard. Like we we ended up doing a voting process between us and the production team at SourcePoint Press to figure out which five covers would be the covers for the miniseries. No joke. So there are actually a, a bunch of covers that actually are done. Thank you, Robin. Uh, that hopefully we'll see the light of day because they are awesome. They're not that they're bad. It was just we were trying to figure out the most uh, easiest way to figure out which five would be the best for representing each element of the story. So it, it's at a point where I know a lot of guys, uh, well, even I think Josh has a, a one or two, and I know some guys at SourceWide Press are kind of unhappy that some covers didn't make it. So I mean, it's just one of those things when you get when you when you get the cover down right. And the homage is like fitting. It's not like completely taking something, but having that vibe and you you get that it's a vibe is not like a total, you know, I'm going to like draw, redraw the cover, but with these characters, it is, it works so well. And then, you know, people dig it. And that's a, that was the direction we wanted. And I'm so glad that he was willing to do so many takes on it to get it right. Hey, you know, it might not be a waste of work. There's always God willing, you know, second printings, trades, and if if we're lucky in the next two years, convention exclusives. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. You know, if we could, if we could, if we get to that point with you know, if the fans are are awesome. And I'll be I'll be I'll be very frank. Uh, please uh, don't just buy our book. Buy any book at your local comic book shop. Support them. And more importantly, after you pre-order your comic books, and if you and to make another note about that to help indie press titles function and survive and continue, you have to pre-order your books. But more importantly, do pick up your orders. Yeah, <laughs> from the yeah, pick stuff. up your poll boxes. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I've talked to a few owners here and there who are waiting, not on me, uh, on just in, just in general, on people, on picking up. And I, understandably, some people don't want to do that. And I get it. Uh, I totally understand. But, you know, if it's been two months, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Might want to swing by and grab a, a lot of comics that, you know what, you get to spend time reading versus, you know, wondering, you know, if they're going to keep pulling your stuff for you. So definitely do that. Or, um, or you know, tell your shop to maybe put a hold on your orders. And then yeah, if, if you exactly. don't think you're going to be in for six months. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that, that's one of the things that I stress that, you know, I love people buying our book. 
you know, by include, you know, if you can, if you can buy all the damn Chris children, please do all five issues. That'd be awesome. That helps us a lot. Um, and if you don't want to, if you don't want to venture out, you know, there's also the digital option, which you can get directly from the source point press website as well. So I know I actually had some messages, which is interesting. Some people who wanted to get the book, there were no kind book shops near them because they closed down, unfortunately. So that sucks. Which you know, I you know, it, it's the reality of, of what's happening today. So Source Prime Press uh, are awesome and have uh, digital options, and I think they also do physical copies to people too. But they're obviously doing that to help people out because of this is the current situation. So there, there's like you know a lot of ways to get our books for uh, in that that way. So the first issue comes out uh, January 27th. You're yes, planned correct. for a a five issue run. The the million dollar question is: Do you have more in the tank if this goes well? I think Josh already has it ready to go. <laughs> I think he has a plot ready <laughs> I, to go. I, I have do. Like, <laughs> I have a, I have a really loose outline of where I want it to go. Uh, we've we talked about it, and definitely going to make a lot of changes if, if if it goes. I mean, if if this works out, and I hope it does, uh, mine. Uh, to, to be really frank, we did not create this during the pandemic, not even close. Mm. And it was like, you know, like that was a decade ago. <laughs> um, so the fact is we're launching it during a pandemic, which is like unfortunate, but it was just one of those weird parallels of life and art. So the second, if we get to a, a second, a second uh, mini series, we would be pulling some elements obviously from, you know, from life itself and from reality, because when we first started, you know, I know, I know a little deviating a little the question just a little bit, but um, when we created these characters and who they were, I definitely did not want the, okay, we're going to have a scientist. We're going to have, you know, all military guys or people who know how to do things or an engineer. We're not going to have, you know, the Swiss army knife of characters for them to survive this stuff. Everyday people and everyday people will not react rationally when shit hits the fan. They're going to do something really stupid and then sort of figure things along the way. Um, when I said that, it's actually in my in, in, in my in, in, in my notes since my plot. But <clears throat> when the pandemic hit, it was sort of like people are fighting over toilet paper. I'm like, holy crap. Hmm. I I couldn't. Like, in fact, you know, when you when you hear that and you see it on the news, you ask yourself, had I written that scene? <laughs> Um, before the pandemic happened and launched it, people would probably call me stupid and crazy, right? Yeah. So now that people see it and uh, you know and have lived it, it's sort of like okay, we can actually go further with the themes and motifs of the, this this horror story of ours and talk about a lot of things that people now are very aware of. So it's that weirdness of when people uh, see it and live it and are are grasping upon it, you can do more of your story, especially at ours, uh, to to touch to do some touch points on certain things. So a second series would be wicked, it'd be awesome, uh, but it would definitely be an amazing uh, writing journey, uh, both for Josh and myself because of what's happening outside. So as we wrap up this interview, um, gentlemen, our show, we end every episode with what we call geek picks, what we're reading, watching, listening to, just the, the stuff that's kind of getting us through the uh, the pandemic days at this point. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what are you guys digging right now? Comics, books, music, doesn't matter. 
Well, uh, Josh, you want to go first? Sure. Um, probably a lot of my answers right now aren't going to be anything too stunning because I'm a giant nerd like anybody else. So, you know, I cried my way through watching uh, Mandalorian like any good nerd did. <laughs> and that was just amazing. And I've been a big fan of Dave Filoni for a while. And I'm I'm very much loving his uh, taking more and more steps into the Star Wars universe because I think it just gets better and better the more power they give him to tell stories so so that's the last big kind of tv thing i watched uh books i've been reading old stuff really i've been i've been kind of taking the time to catch up on old you know you don't realize it because they're kind of in the back of your head so you're like oh i've read all the old jack kirby fantastic fours and then you're like oh wait no i haven't i just know them because of trading cards and Mm. adaptations and it's out there so I've, i've been reading a lot of the old jack kirby fantastic fours and they're just amazing like they're you know, they're a bit dated because they're from the 60s and a bit, you know, comic booky, but just just incredible to think how much output this guy was doing in a very short period of time there. Um, for books, I, I haven't listened to it yet, but I got the audio book for, it's pretty neat. It's a George Romero's latest zombie book, latest oh, of the dead story. I had completely forgot that was coming out. Yeah, I listened Thank to a you. podcast. It's on the with, list now. Yeah, I listened to a podcast with a writer. He was a really cool guy, and and he's done all kinds of cool stuff. He co-wrote um, a bunch of stuff with Guillermo del Toro, and worked on Shape Out of Water and Troll Hunters. So then he stumbled into this gig of finishing up George Romero's half-finished novel. Um, non-picture books I usually listen to nowadays, just because there's so much to to read and listen to, and so that that's next on my checklist is to dive into that uh, George Romero book because as kind of Howard mentioned with the kind of characters in our in our story, for me it's very very influenced by Romero and those everyday characters in insane circumstances. Um, and the sequels to Damn Cursed Children are kind of like that as well, which I won't even mention, but you you'll see influence of the way that Night Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead are connected. That's mm. kind of in our little little trilogy idea as well. Howard, what are you digging on right now? Right now, um, I've started watching, well, I, I've watched Lupin, but I have, haven't watched the last episode because I'm waiting for my kids to have a break from school and then we can finish off episode five, the part one of two of Lupin, which is on Netflix, which is really well done. I'm not crazy about episode four, but everything else is awesome. I won't spoil that for anyone. Uh, <laughs> hopefully I didn't. I'm all, obviously watch. I watched, uh, oh man, I, I watched the Mandalorian season two, which is phenomenal. Will not spoil that. And also started watching, I didn't finish it though. The, uh, the uh, Star Wars, uh, I think it's called the gallery. Is it called the gallery? The, oh, that yeah. gallery the, the making of the Mandalorian series. Yeah. 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 So I started doing the one for number two, which is sort of like one long documentary. So, yeah. Cause the other one, the other one was better cause it, it was episodic. So when you finish one, you, you know, you get on with your life, but it was like, it's a two hour journey. I'm like, I'm not going to do this in, in a two hour sitting, but, uh, so I started doing that, uh, for, uh, comics. Let me think for comics. What am I reading right now? Um, I started grabbing some old stuff actually. I started uh, rereading the Max because oh. I was I was cleaning up my stuff and I was like I, I don't okay this is what this is not when you, you when you know you have a problem because I have like the single issues but I only have them to a certain point mm. and then then I have trades I'm like 
how how am I have trades for those issues I already have? <laughs> but great, I can read the trades though. But instead of that weirdness, of okay, well, I was going to reshelve, you know, sorry for fixing the shelves and stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe I should read this. I haven't read this in a long time, so I'm reading that. And funny enough, I actually finished it uh, just practically yesterday. I think yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, Superman Secret Identities uh, from uh, Kirk Busick, and oh my god, I brain farted. The artist's name, Canadian. Uh, is it Eminem? Is that Eminem? Yes, Eminem. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm an idiot. So, Siri Eminem, there's an, um, oh my, if you, if you guys haven't read this book or seen the art, the art is phenomenal. It's like so per- dead on perfect, and the writing is amazing. It's like you honestly, it, I wish they made this into an animated series. And I don't, I don't think they can actually do it right as a live action. If they did an animated series, like exactly the way it is. That'd be absolutely incredible. Ooh, somebody has a call, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, what else am I doing? I am, huh, geek stuff. That's a good question. Oh, oh yeah, well, this is geek and health stuff. So here you go. I broke down and I picked up the uh, Ring Fit for my kids and i thought it was kind of a fun toy started using it it's on it's on the nintendo switch my god it's kicking my ass like mm. I, I i i am old uh <laughs> compared to my kids because after 10 minutes i was like i'm done i'm gonna sit here and not die and i, I see, you see my my uh 13 year old it's like half an hour 45 minutes straight i'm like how are you not dying i'm tired now i'm like you're tired now like <laughs> dude don't uh, don't feel too bad i've seen videos of pro wrestlers using that thing and them starting to get stressed out at the uh the upper levels so oh man it's so i like i mean so i'm doing a lot i'm doing ring fit here and there and the last thing i'm doing is i, I don't know i i sort of tried to start start doing it but then i stopped there's actually Oh, I forgot what the hell is. So it's a free uh, YouTube channel uh, that watch it for old Japanese anime from like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, shoot, I forgot what it's called now. It's totally my head. So I started like, you know, you, you sort of like, this is the kind of stuff I would like lie in bed and sort of like nod off on. But mm. I started watching them because, you know, your memories are really good about these shows. Like, oh, I remember this is a, such a cool show. I'm like, you're watching it as a dog. like, what the hell did I just watch? Oh yeah, <laughs> and that's like the worst part. Is that's like your memories are always better than than the actual the actual stuff when you read and watch it. Because oh, it was it was actually oh yeah, it was Guy King. I was watching the first episode of Guy King, uh, and I was like, oh, I love this show. And as I was going through the first episode, I'm like, my God, what the hell? I remember this is a lot more fun and more actiony, but this is sort of odd and weird and. I mean, it's 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 its own thing. Like it became its own thing like, as an mm-hmm. adult watching it now. It became it's, it's something different. The kid in me still loves it. I mean, I still have toys and stuff, and I still love you know the, my memories of it. But as an adult watching it, you're analyzing it in a totally different way. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. So it's sort of a mixed thing of do I want to keep doing it? So I sort of stop because I'm like I think I want to keep my memories as they are because that, that's I me love- and He Man, dude. <laughs> oh it, like the, yeah. the original 80s he-man i had all the toys i had both the castles you know and then i watched it as an adult and i'm like no i i'm gonna keep that in my childhood <laughs> yeah yeah you know what yes exactly yeah that's a good example i after uh watching that show that the toys that made us i'm like i want to rewatch some of the he-man that was a bad idea <laughs> that's a totally bad idea so uh you know sort of that oh man this is so 
bad yet good and bad and oh i remember that scene oh wait there we use that footage again and again, again in the same episode yeah that the running and rolling <laughs> running and, and never rolling. using his sword for sword things it nope, turns into never. a rope it, he bashes people on the head with it doesn't stab a, a single thing it's 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 the only sword it, it, I think in in fiction where it's not sharp, mm. um, <laughs> but, but but yeah, it's one of those things I think as as you get older, you don't want to go back and watch stuff sometimes if it's because your memories are much better uh, yeah. than what they are, which is totally fine. I mean, uh, I still you know collect toys and you know and and stuff, so I, I don't feel bad that I tried looking at because you kind of do, and it's sort of one of those things where. Sometimes you look at old stuff and it becomes something even greater, like watching some of the old westerns. If you if you're in, if you're in Canada, Netflix has a lot of the old Clint Eastwood films. I think I think mm-hmm. they still do uh, on. And I sort of you know yeah, I haven't watched this film for a long time. I click it on, I'm like oh, and you notice like certain things that you you don't remember growing up watching it. So it's sort of like oh, I could that's a great idea. I could probably use that in a you know in a story somewhere and so forth and what have you. So it's one of those wonderful things where. You look at stuff when you're really young and you don't remember too too much of it, but you remember some things of it, and then you you know then the things like, like cartoons and things like that you sort of like avoid because <laughs> you want to keep nice fond memory. You know, running home after school and watching things like Thundercats, which is still you know I'll be honest with people. Oh man, I'm gonna go to Thundercats real quick. The new ones I tried, I tried, and no. <laughs> I, I can't. Oh, is that <laughs> so, uh, you're talking about like the goofier sort of like yeah legs, yeah the yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. with you on that one. I, I try, I tried. And people always ask, you can watch it so funny because people like keep telling me if you watch the the the, uh, the the new Voltron and you like that, and I do, uh, you'll love the new Thundercats. Like great, mm, like no, you, I'm like so no, so come no, <laughs> so there you go. All right, That's gentlemen, um, to end this off, uh, where can our listeners find you on uh, the interwebs to uh, perhaps bug you for your opinions or buy things from you? Josh, you want to hit up first? Sure. Uh, I'm on Facebook is Bat Turtle, B-A-T-T-U-R-T-L-E. <laughs> and then on Instagram, it's Bat Turtle underscore Mayfair because somebody beat me to the Mayf- uh, beat me to the Bat Turtle tag. Uh, then I don't really have a Twitter account, but I'm on there undercover because I handle the Mayfair social media stuff. So at Mayfair Theater. And then I host a weekly podcast that I'll plug here too called the Mayfair Theater Podcast that uh, we've been doing every week for over 300 episodes oh wow you're beating us by 200 <laughs> <laughs> well i should we should mention that josh co-owns uh the 1930s movie theater in ottawa the mayfair theater which is an awesome wicked theater hopefully when things get better definitely go visit if you're in town or traveling through uh as for my social media uh whereabouts um on twitter with the handle at howard wong number one so just not Hashtag one, just a number one. On Instagram, it's at the real Howard Wong. And for everything else, uh, for my other links to other my social medias, you can always go to my blog, which is howard-wong.blogspot.com. Set your phasers to Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com. 
or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True North Nerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. So set your 